I suppose it would be good to open in prayer since it's about prayer. Father, I just thank you for this time today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for each person in this place. Father, you would strengthen and encourage them today. That they would walk away with a a fresh perspective and a fresh idea of who you are and and what you've done in their lives. Father, I just ask for wisdom for me personally to know everything that you would have me to say, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I was sharing with Roberta, you know, there's just so much to prayer. I didn't really think about I mean, I knew there was, and then I sat down to start really studying and try to get an outline, and, and it was just, it was overwhelming. And I was like, oh my goodness. So, um, but I believe I know at least where to start. <laughs> I'll start by reading the summary up here at the top, so we can at least say that we got through that. So prayer is fellowship with God. The summary, prayer is your daily communion with God. It is an opportunity for you to cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Additionally, Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 6, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. More importantly, prayer gives a way to know God and for Him to speak to us. Jesus said in John seventeen three, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Prayer is our vehicle to know God and to maintain a daily connection with Him. And then I wrote alongside that that, that prayer is, is a foundation of our relationship. It's a foundation of our intimacy, our closeness with God. And, and it's, uh, it's so important. You know, the world has always been this way, but it's, it's so important, I feel like, in this day and age because this world, this life, it has such a pull, such a sway. And it's always been that way. It's just, you know, the the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. It just looks different these days. Um, But on the contrary, see, God has a path and a plan and a purpose for our lives, each one of us individually. That's something he's been showing me more and more is the individualness of our walk with him. That, that we will all stand before Him face to face someday, give an account for the deeds done in our body and, and the plans and the things that He has called us to do as an individual. You, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other subject. But my point to that is this, is that it's, this, prayer is vital to understanding, to knowing what that plan looks like, how you walk in it. Because it's not, it doesn't just happen. You don't just stumble into God's will for your life. You don't just stumble into everything He has for you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. Jesus said that that narrow is the way that leads to life. And He said, and there are few that find it. So there are few that find really everything that God has for them. Because He said it's a narrow path, it's a difficult path, and there's few that find it. And on the opposite, and He said, broad, wide, is the path that leads to destruction, to death. And many find it. I think it's Proverbs that says, says that there's a way, there's a way that seems right in the heart of a man. In other words, every person in here, if we take God out of the picture, there's a way that seems right in our eyes, in our heart, that we would just go off down the path. But he said the end of that way, the end of that path is death, destruction. So how do we get... How do we push that aside is to stick close to the Lord. And that's why prayer is so vital to that. 
It is the, the to me, it's probably the foundational element. Prayer, I, I, I lump prayer and worship together just as those foundational elements of walking with Him, of getting to know Him. Because if you do not know Him, I believe you'll be swept up in the world. You know, I, it was so funny. I kind of just made the connection a few minutes ago. I'm a little slow sometimes. I was... Earlier in the week, uh, my nephew, Ruby and I were talking with my nephew. He's like 14, something like that. It's a tough age, tough age. And he's really, you know, uh, just kind of starting out, walking with the Lord, had a lot of questions, a lot of things. Man, and, and, working with, and working some in the schools, you see it all over the place. This world has a pull and it has a, a, a sway that's so strong. These kids are all just gripped in it. They don't even realize it most of the time. You know... All the all the, the the popular the popular music, the popular artists, the popular celebrities. Which, uh, I think I was sharing with Roberta. Most of the time, no, not most of the time, all of the time. I think <laughs> anything that's that popular and that and that profound, it's not from God, because the world will not lift up something that is from God and say, "Hey, look at this! Isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful?" So the, all, all that stuff that's super popular and super attractive and super, you know, whatever, all the kids want it. They're all chasing after it. It's usually, not usually. So that's, I'm trying to be nice and I, it's not going to work. It's, it's not from Jesus. It's not from God. It's not from God. You listened, the, the music that's popular, it's, it's full of lust, it's full of sex full of, of popular, this is what's popular, money, power, fame, this is what's going to make you happy, etc., etc., etc. You know, I don't think there's any little kids in here. I've got, I got to be careful what I say sometimes. Just a little icebreaker story. I was preaching at a church one time, and I was, you know, preaching about the stuff I usually preach about, you know, being free from sin, walking pure and holy, lust, pornography, all this stuff. And I had the, the pastor's son, he was about 10 at the time, came up, came up to me after the service. He was like, hey, I wanted to ask you a question about something you said. Yeah, sure, go ahead. What's porn? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my goodness. You know, you, you got to be careful of your audience, you know. And I, I, hadn't, I, hadn't even, I didn't even see him. I didn't even know he was in there. And so I was just, you know, I, I, I was, well, you need to go ask your dad. Let's go talk to your dad about that, you know. Praise God he didn't even know what it was. But... Uh, that's an that's an exception to the rule. I'll just be frank with you. Uh, in seeing kids even of that age, 10, 11, 12, most of them ha- have already been exposed to sexual things. Most of them have already been exposed to pornography, to lust, and it's on a daily basis. If your kids are on Facebook, if your kids are on Instagram, they've already seen all, all they need to see. I guarantee it. It's all over the place. So... That's the pull. That's the sway. Starting at, at a young age, our young men are taught to believe that this is what love looks like. This is what sex looks like. This is what all this stuff looks like. And that's why prayer is so important. And just the young people, there's a lot of young people in here today. And that's wonderful. That's amazing. It's so vital. This is something that we were praying about uh, a couple Wednesday nights ago. There's many young people, even in this church, that are at... The age where their faith has to become their own. You know what I mean by that? You know, we, we're raised up. Our, our parents parents try to raise us up in church and do the best they know how. And lead us in the path of God. But at a certain point, you reach an age where you step out of that covering, so to speak. Whatever you want to call it. And you either choose to follow God for yourself. Or you choose to go the other direction. 
And there are many young people, even in this place, that are at that stage, at that time of decision. And building a foundation of prayer will help you navigate through those things. I never finished my story. I was talking to my nephew. As I, said, I described, I said, this world is like a, it's like a roaring river, fast, current. And if you step out in it and, you're in, and, and you don't, aren't focused on following Jesus, because following Jesus is like going upstream against that current, it will sweep you away. And, and then a few days later, I went fishing in the river with a strong current. And I had my little boat with my little motor. And it was stronger than me. It was kind of, it ended up, it was a crazy day. That's a whole other story. But it was a very real example of what I had just talked about. I got out there in the current. And even though I had a boat and I had a motor, I could not resist the current. It was too strong. And the same way will be if you don't have a life that's rooted and grounded in prayer. Rooted and grounded in worship. You'll be swept away before you realize what's even happened. Because there is a way that seems right. And it's not the right way. Hmm. Prayer. Amen. Prayer and worship are the foundations of intimacy. When you pray. That's, the, that's, where, I, that's when I, the, where I felt to start. When you pray. You've heard me share that passage. It's in, uh, it's in Matthew chapter 6, I believe. I'm not going to turn to every single reference. Jesus is saying, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. Pray to your Father who's in secret. So one key element of prayer, uh, the type of prayer that we are talking about today, is it, ha- it needs to be in secret. It needs to be quiet. It needs to be set apart, set aside time that we give to our fellowship with the Lord. You know, it's the same way for those of us that are, that are married. That's the same way you, you build relationship and trust and, and uh, just solid communication with your spouse. It's in those private conversations. It's in those quiet moments when you're talking about stuff that's important. It's in those precious moments. That's when you build your relationship. It's not in the day-to-day uh, mundane things of the, hey, hey, how was your day? You know, th- those kind of conversations. They're good. Don't get me wrong. But the, the, we all know that the foundation of our relationship with our spouse is not built on those conversations. It's built on the, on the private moments, on the quiet moments, on the heart-to-heart conversations. It's the same way with, our, with, with the Lord. When we share our heart with Him, He shares our heart with us. His heart with us, I'm sorry. Um, along those lines, I don't know why I felt to, to go this way, but I wanted to really emphasize that when you pray, first of all, it's in secret, but when you pray, you, you need to use words. I don't, I don't know if that's for somebody in particular or if I just really kept coming back to that. There's very, very little evidence in the Word of God for silent prayer. Very, very little. There, you have to really twist some things and really take a step out to, to, to find evidence for silent prayer. On the other hand, evidence for using your mouth is all over the place. So it, I'm not saying you have to scream and yell and shout every time you go in there. But pray with your words. Loud enough that you can hear yourself. Under your breath, whisper. It's very important. to Our words, our words have power. Um, If we're going to be imitators of God, God framed this whole world with His words. So if we're going to be like Him and frame our world, we need to use our words. Amen. Um, Foundation of intimacy. Intimacy is... is, uh, 
is important. Our relationship with God will carry you through many things. Um, I thought this, I, I got this little, it's, they call it a magazine, but it's really not a very big book. From a, there's an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or not, but I got it this week, and I thought it was very timely. And um, I wanted to share a couple stories from it, just little highlights of it, because it, it had a lot to do with it. Um, this lady's name is, I'm going to say it's Fome. She's from Laos. Uh, just some of the, the things, this is an organization, they help out persecuted Christians throughout the world, okay? Um, some of the things that she deals with, she's, uh, in her country, she is watched and followed by the local police. They tell her to either leave Jesus or leave the district. We want you to leave your faith. We want no Christians in this district. Um, they, what else did they do? They speak against her. They try to damage her business, telling people not to buy from her because she's a Christian. The police follow her. From the, to her suppliers and try to prevent them from selling to her. And they have even built gates to block access to the roads that she uses. That's just one person. But I want you to listen to what she says. This is a quote from her. She says, When I run errands, I bring Jesus with me. I bring my Bible and I leave it in my motorbike. When I ride my bike, I sing worship songs. I go with the Lord. I always talk to the Lord when I go to different villages and sell my goods. Just a quick little quote. But you know, when I see that, I see a person who has a relationship with the Lord. Because, you know, this is pretty intense persecution compared to what we experience here. Um, and, but, but you can see it, she, she's not moved by it. She's still pressing forward with her relationship. It says in here that she's still ministering to people. It says she's led 13 families to the Lord while selling her vegetables. And is always continuing to tell people about Christ and praying for people, even though they're pushing against her. Why? Because she loves the Lord. Because she has a solid relationship with Him that is not moved by outward circumstances. See, um, I'm trying to figure out if I should get in a little trouble or not. Oh, oh, go for it. See, my next point was, was to pray according to His will. And so there's a lot there, but, but see, it would be very easy for this lady to, to pray that she be taken out of the persecution, would it not? Mm-hmm. And see, there's, there's, I, there's a lot of, of circles and movements in, in our Western world that almost pray along those lines, that we would have such an environment that as Christians we would have no persecutions, that it would almost be like this just peaceful, blissful utopia of, of freedom. Right? But my Bible says that all those, all, I'll do like Nathan, say all. all. Oh, you guys are good. All. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's in your Bible. It's in Second Timothy. Jesus says several things that are similar to that. So to me, praying against that is to be found to be praying against God. Because he promises that we would go through those things. Hmm? It's just food for thought. Because if we're going to be praying according to his will, now I'm not saying you want to pray for bad things to happen and persecution, but to understand that it is part of following after Jesus. As a matter of fact, if we are not experiencing persecution in some manner, it might be good to question your walk with him. Because it says that all those who live godly will suffer persecution. 
Paul, see, I was reading about Paul briefly in that same. He, he never prayed to be pulled out of it. He prayed that God would bring him through it. See, and he gave the Lord thanks for bringing him through it, just like this lady. Mm, amen. Anyway. Pray according to his will. It's so important to know what his will is. It's mostly found in his word. The spirit the spirit and the word agree. I believe that was in one of our previous lessons or it's in one that's coming. I don't remember. It's, it's somewhere in that, that binder that we have. The spirit and the word agree. So when we are praying for ourselves, when we are praying for those around us, it has to line up according to his will or, it, or it's, it's, a, it's not a valid prayer. It's, it's going to be a hindered prayer. And sometimes it can even be used against people. Okay, you, can, you, can, <laughs> you can tap on over into some, a little bit of witchcraft, quite honestly, is what it is. Yeah. And, and you can do it sometimes not on purpose, but you pray according to his will. Let's go back to our outline. This says private prayer. What is on your heart? Spend time talking to him in your own words. Share with Him your concerns, your cares, and your needs. He's there to be an ever-present guide through the person of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is interacting with God. Praise Him. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for His will in your life. Don't put these issues on autopilot, but give them to Him in prayer. Um, you know, one of the, the, the references I read, wrote down was, you, you can turn there or look at it later, it's Psalms. 118 verse 5. It's also in Psalms 120. David says basically the same thing. He says, I cried to the Lord in my distress. And he heard me. You know, he says it two different times. I cried to the Lord. So many times, and I've been very guilty of this. We, things start happening in life. Uh, persecu- persecutions come. Trials come. Uh, whatever. And, and instead of, we, we think that we're taking those things to the Lord. And that's why I said it's so important that you have to use your words. We think that we're taking those things to the Lord, but we're really not. We're holding it all inside, letting it take over our mind. We just kind of shut down. That's, that's my experience with it anyway. You just kind of shut down. But that's why, that's, those are the times in the middle of our distress, as the psalmist said, I cry to the Lord. Think about what his distress was. It was very similar to some of the things that happened to these people. His, it, was, uh, it was people trying to kill him. Saul trying to kill him. His own son trying to kill him. That sounds pretty distressing. But he says, I cried to the Lord in my distress and he heard me and he answered his prayer. How much more so in the things that we have sometimes uh, to, to cry to the Lord, to put voice to the things that we're dealing with, to put voice to the things that we're asking for. You know, there's been times the Lord has shown me that, you know, in my in my head, I've believed for certain things over the years, but I've spent very little time actually praying those things out. I don't know if that resonates with anybody or not. It makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Maybe just take take uh, the area of of finances for years. I've I've believed in my heart and my head uh, for, for that, that God wanted to use me in that realm, finances, business, all this stuff. But he began to show me how, how little I had actually, in that quiet place, prayed those things out, asked for his help, asked for his leadership, asked for his guidance, um, even just put voice to it, saying, Lord, I know that you want me to do this. You know, He began to show it to me just how vital and important that is. Um, I'll, that that leads me to another story. This is this is an, this lady's name is who? What is her name? Pauline. She's in Gaza. There she is. Hi, Pauline. 
Her husband was murdered for being a Christian uh, by Islamic extremists. They, they started with harassing him, trying to get him to shut down his business, all this stuff. Eventually, they just killed him. Um, and so it, it talks about her story. She was angry. You know, and she said, over, over time, her anger grew into rage, especially around the anniversary of her husband's murder. But eventually, she became exhausted by her anger and started praying a specific prayer. And she, she quotes it out. She says, this was her prayer. I know that I am your daughter. And I know that I need to forgive, but I can't forgive. Help me. Let me be able to forgive in a way that is real. And it says that she prayed that prayer regularly for a year. A year. And then the story goes on to where she has this encounter with the Lord. And she's able to openly, in front, like on, in front of a whole bunch of people, she's able to forgive the very person that killed her husband. But it started with a prayer. And it started with a, a you know, how, how, I'm just trying to put myself in those shoes. And I can't even fathom it, but... You know, she was caught up in anger, caught up in grief, caught up in sadness, all this stuff. But she put voice to what she knew to be true. Amen. She had people around her saying, hey, you need to forgive. Hey, you need to forgive. Uh, but she put her voice, her faith to it and said, God, I need your help. Yeah. That's a very good place to start with prayer. I need your help. Help me, Lord, do this or that. Yeah. And prayer, it may not happen right away. It says she prayed this for a year. Prayer may take time to answer. This is just some of the notes I've written down. Prayers may take time to answer, and the answer might not look like what you think it looks like. But He does answer when we pray according to His Word. See, she could have just as easily prayed for uh, vengeance and judgment on the person or people that killed her husband. But that would not be according to God's will. It really wouldn't. I like these magazines because they help me keep my life in perspective. Is quite honestly why I like to like to get them, and I, you know I give a little money to them once in a while, whatever. But it uh, it helps keep our life in perspective. See, it helps to remind me that you know persecution is very real, and that it is a promise from God, <laughs> and that you know so much of the time we get upset over some of the silliest things, we hold offense toward each other over some of the silliest things, you know. Somebody never paid you back that 20 bucks, you know what I mean? Somebody didn't say, you know, didn't say hi to you in the grocery store, whatever, whatever. I don't know. Petty, petty things that need to just be let go immediately. You know, this lady was able to forgive the people that killed her husband, killed the father of her children. And she's able to walk in forgiveness, pure forgiveness toward them. That's wonderful. It shows the power of God. It shows the power of change. And the power of, of walking close with Him. Uh, pray according to His will. Mark eleven twenty four says to pray and to believe when you pray. Believe that you have the things that you've asked for. And uh, if you haven't heard me say it, I'll say it again. That word believe, when you see believe, it's not just, yeah, I understand that. It's not just, yeah, that's true. It's not a it's not a lighthearted thing. It's a it's a passionate. It is clinging to it with your very life. Yeah. It is hold nothing. It is making it of utmost importance. So that's believing that you have those things. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's a section here about praying in tongues. I know Patty covered that a lot last week, so I'd encourage you to listen to that. I'm not going to go over praying in tongues a lot, other than to just kind of make a distinction there. You know, the, the verses that are in the middle of that, it says that no one understands you. You are talking to God when you pray in the Spirit. And that your, your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. So really, you know, and I'm not speaking negative, negatively about praying in tongues, but praying in tongues does not have an immediate effect on your mind. It says it's unfruitful. It may in the, in the future because of the things that you are praying. It may in the future because of the things that you are praying out in the Spirit, and you get an answer to that. But the, on the contrary, prayer, prayer and worship in your natural language, your, your you know, English, Spanish, whatever your natural language is, it has, an, it has an immediate effect on your mind, on your soul, because you are praying according to His Word for whatever it is you have need of, for whatever it is you're going through, and you'll be, you begin to see fruit right away. You'll begin to feel things change in your heart. Uh, you begin to feel things change in your soul. It starts to bear fruit, is what I'm saying. And uh, I, I would say at, the, at that time, Okay, that was really the only distinction I wanted to make is that um, is the, the importance of doing both, I guess, is, 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 is balance. You know, Paul said that, I pray with the Spirit, I pray with the understanding. I sing with the Spirit, I sing with the understanding. It's, it's vital to do both because they do different things, right? And use that time, use that secret place time to do both. Um... Get quiet and listen. It's important to emphasize times of quiet prayer, free from distraction and talking, where we allow God to respond and talk to our heart. Purpose to make listening times part of your prayer time. Prayer is a two-way street, and the most important part is when God gets to talk to you. When we take those needs to Him, and He responds with instructions. He responds with ideas. He responds with uh, uh, vision. He responds with whatever it may be. Those are vital to walking in that path. Walking in the path that He has prepared for you. Like I was talking about earlier, that path that He has prepared for you. Keeping you out of the ditch. Out of the, 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 the way of, that seems right to you and I. Because that most of the time, that's not the right way. I began to think, this has been a little while ago. There's that little, it's in Psalms. And it's an old little old song, you know, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, you know. It's that really common scripture. You've probably got it embroidered on a pillow somewhere or something. You know, we see it all the time. But I begin to think it says, Your word, your instructions are a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, what happens if you're not following that? Well, to my mind, if, if you're not following that, that lamp's not working. It's dark. You can't see where you're going. You're stumbling around in the darkness is, is, is what I began to see when I was thinking about it. If we're not letting His Word, His instructions be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, then you don't know where you're going. You're going the wrong direction, quite possibly. Um, sorry, I've got just, you know, like I said, this was really hard to make an outline for because there's just so much stuff. There isn't really a... Step one, step two, step three. There's just a lot of information. Um, James, it's in James chapter four. He says, when you pray, make sure that you don't ask a, a miss, meaning 
that you don't ask with wrong motives, wrong intentions. He's telling them, and, and he said, you ask, but you desire because of your own lust, that you would consume it in your own lust. You're asking the Lord with improper motives. Our motives are very important all of the time, but especially in prayer. Praying from a pure heart and a pure motives. Um, this is, I, I find this especially true when praying for other people. If, if, the, if you're praying for other people. Because that, that's very much tied in with praying according to His will. Sometimes that's the best prayer that you can pray for somebody else. Is, Lord, that Your will be, would be done in their life. Or that you can take something from His Word that you know is true and apply it to that person's life. I thank You, Lord, that they walk in righteousness. That they would make righteous choices, righteous decisions. Um, you know, something like that. Because so much of the time, it can be very easy to think that we always know what is best for someone else. And there may be truth to that, and there might not be. And so it, it's a very, uh, I'll call it a dangerous game to play, to, to, to pray for other people in, for specific circumstances. Because we don't always know. We don't always know. Um, you know, I, I've, I, I grew up around a ton of this, and so I, I, I'm really sensitive to it, of, uh, you know, praying, you know, so-and-so wants to, wants to move. They want to move to another city. Well, you don't think they should move. So you're, you start praying for them to not move. And we, we don't always know. We don't always know what's, what God's plan and purpose is for them. That is really between them and God. And so we can pray that they hear, hear clearly, that they hear His voice, that they don't follow the voice of a stranger. All these, all these word-inspired things, but be very careful about praying those type of things because it might, it might not be. Uh, you know, and, and, and so <laughs> I know yeah, just the, the, the environment I was raised in, I saw this all the time. Our emotions get involved and they start praying for people to leave this person. Uh, you know, break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Break up with this person. Uh, go here. Move here. Take this job. Those are, those, are, those are personal decisions between us and the Lord, you know. And so it's very, very, you have to be careful. That's all I'm trying to say there. Um, and, and stick to his word. Motives. <laughs> Corporate prayer. Let's go back to our outline here. I hope you guys are doing okay. I'm trying not to be confusing. This is, uh, you know, I used to really do well with like teaching, boom, boom, boom. But like, I feel like I lost it. No. <laughs> the Lord just started using me in different ways. And so it's hard for me to go back. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Corporate prayer. The body of Christ is designed to pray together. Many accounts in scripture show the power of corporate prayer. This is an opportunity for God to move on His body with unity, refreshing, infilling, and spiritual giftings to be imparted to many. It is important for believers to gather and pray for corporate and private needs. Christians who omit corporate prayer are missing part of the unity and encouragement that comes from being a member of the body of Christ. 100%. It's got some, some verses there. All these were gathered together in one accord. They were gathered together and praying. They fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. Um, corporate prayer toward particular needs. This, this happens a lot around here on, on our uh, prayer days. Monday, Saturday, Wednesday. Uh, the, the, the vision of the church is, is brought before the Lord. 
and we pray in, in unity, in corporate prayer together for that path you know, that this Lord has laid aside for this church. We pray for particular people with needs, you know, needs that come in through Roberta or elsewhere to, to pray for the sick, pray for those who are going through things, but, you know, according to his word and according to his will. It's, it is. It is a very important part. It helps you stay connected to the body. Because it's very easy in this day and age to get there out there on an island somewhere where uh, it's just... A lot of, I hear a lot of people say, well, it's just me and the Lord. It can be, but it's a dangerous place to be. Because that's not how He set His model up. Yeah. If, you, if you read the Word and you study it, you don't see people just say, well, it's just me and God. You see people plugged into a body. You see people plugged in for accountability, for leadership, for uh, encouragement. You know, Hebrews talks about don't forsake assembling yourselves together. Part of which is why is to be stirred up into good works. You know, that you be re- reminded what's right. You be reminded to, to pray. You be reminded that to have a, a fervent relationship with the Lord. Because it's real easy to get that out there in the island with just you and God. And the next thing you know, you've, you're not really even following Him anymore. Uh, in James 5, it talks, 5 and 16, it's, it talks about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, availing much. This kind of <laughs> tripped me out a little bit because effectual and fervent were the same word. I looked it up in the, in the Greek and it's the exact same word back to back. I didn't really know what to do with that. But it is, just has to do with passion. It has to do with, with, with uh, your, I believe there's a strong emotion in there, and that that goes back to um, you know just the the believing when we pray, getting your your whole person, spirit, soul, and body involved in that prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much, to where it is it is very real to you, um, and that that is a byproduct of that closeness, that intimacy with the Lord. Um, I, I had a, just an example of this. You know, and it's true of really any worship song. But we were worshiping Wednesday night, and it was just an old—it's an old song. But it was, uh, but it's you know talking about Lord, you are more precious, more precious than silver. You're more costly than gold. You, you're more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing that I desire compares to you. And I was just loving it. I was back there, just crying and carrying on, having just you know slinging snot, having a whole fit with the Lord, you know. But. I began to the Lord began to show me, you know. However, that that another person could could be in that place and sing that same song, but if their heart is not in the right place with the Lord, that song would mean absolutely nothing to them. And that's true of any worship song, really. But it was just the one that He used to to show me that that it's a it's part of our that our relationship with Him to to walk close to Him, to get attached to the Lord. In a good way, to where his heart is constantly with your heart. Like that lady, she was talking everywhere she goes. She said, "I bring Jesus with me." How there is no other way that she could endure that if Je- if she wasn't bringing Jesus with her. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to talk real briefly. I don't want to keep keep us here all day, right? Nobody has any plans this afternoon anyway, right? We'll just keep going. Um, some hindrances to prayer. Okay. Um, there's a lot of information out there about these. I, I, all of these, I did not. They are backed up with scripture, but I did not write those scriptures down. If you are curious, 
um, you can get a hold of me and I'll, I'll find the scriptures for those. But I wrote down, I have like nine different things here. Hindrances to prayer. When we pray, there's, these are things that can, the Bible says, that can hinder our prayers. Number one is a lack of love. A lack of love toward that person or toward just people in general. Lack of love operating in your life can hinder your prayer. Number two is pride and selfishness. Um, that will take you down. That has a lot to do with motives. Pride and selfishness. We find ourselves in pride or in, or in selfishness. It's not a good place to pray from. What is that scripture? You see, God, God resists. If you're, if you're in prideful, he, is, he resists you, the word of God says. It says that he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. His grace is there for whatever it is we have need of. Hmm. While we're talking about His grace, see, anytime the Lord has given you instructions through, the, through prayer, His grace is there to empower you to perform it. just want to share that real quick. I don't know why, why I'm going there, but... Don't let fear and don't let anxiety and don't let doubt ruin that for you. Taking that step that the, the, the instructions from the Lord have come. You've heard it. You know it's from the Lord. In that place, know this, that His grace is there to empower you to move forward. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> so the next one happens to be doubt and unbelief. That will hinder your prayer, as we just talked about. Uh, number four is disobedience. Disobedience. If you are in a place where you know what the Lord has told you to do, and we are not doing it, it hinders your, hinders your whole life, really, but it's hindering your prayer life. Most of the time you find when you get in His presence, that's the first thing He's going to begin to talk to you about, is an area of disobedience an area of sin, perhaps, an area of something that's not right. And so if you don't deal with that, it's going to hinder your prayers. Most of the time, it will hinder you from even desiring to pray. Put it that way. It will hinder you from wanting to be in His presence because it becomes uncomfortable. Instead of it being a, a wonderful experience, hallelujah, hallelujah, it, you turn, feel like you're going to turn inside out because of the conviction that is coming. Amen? Uh, number five. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, discord and strife with, I want to say specifically your spouse. You could throw family in there, but the Word of God says specifically with your spouse. Strife and discord with your spouse will hinder your prayers. And then and that's really all you have to say about that. Um, you know what I mean? Like this, hey, get those things taken care of quickly. If you're like me, where are my guys? You guys ever say something stupid to your wife? Amen. No witness? Okay, thank you, Josh. Josh is the only honest guy in here right now. No. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you know. You know. Like, as soon as it comes out, you're like, oh, you know, try to get it back. It's too late. You've got to get it fixed because, you know, the, those things will, will creep in and, and cause problems of all kinds. But it causes problems between you and the Lord is the, is the primary, one primary reason to get it taken care of. Uh, number six, unforgiveness and lack of reconciliation between people will hinder your prayers. Not much more to say about that. I mean, that speaks for itself. Walking in unforgiveness 
That's, you know, this, the lady that we read about had that desire. To, first, she did not have that desire, but I think she began to see how it was hindering her life. That was her prayer. She said, I know I need to do this, but I can't do this. Help me, God. Right? So that, you know, that's a genuine prayer from a place of seeing what is wrong. Unforgiveness, lack of reconciliation. Uh, number seven, unconfessed sin and the desire to keep sinning. Hindrance to, hindrance to your prayers. Same thing as, as uh, disobedience. You'll find when you enter into His presence that that conviction comes. And that, that's usually the first thing He starts talking to you about. Get this sin out of your life. Get this. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. And that, honestly, it pushes a lot of people out of His presence. Because they, they would rather keep that than move forward with Him. Uh, hindering, not, pra- not praying according to His will hinders your prayers. And wrong motives. We talked about that a lot. So go to the back page. Key points. I think we're going to make it all the way through this. Key points. Becoming diligent in our prayer life is arguably one of the most important things we can do with our time. Mm-hmm. Time. Time, time, time. You know, the Bible says to redeem our time. It's one of the, as far as I know, it's the only thing that we ever have instructions to, to redeem, to take back is time. Um, there's a lot that to, to goes into that. But I would just encourage, and this is something I've been on a path with, with me personally, and, and just Ruby and I, our life is, is to be intentional about what you do with your time. Be intentional with things that take your time, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because... Time is the one resource that we cannot get back. It's the one resource that we are instructed to, by the Lord, take back. That's what redeem means, is you, ta- you go and you get something, right? Just like He redeemed you and I, He came and He pulled us out. Then you have to go into your life somewhere and say, there's some time, Urgh, come here. You know, It happens on purpose, it happens intentionally. It doesn't happen by accident. You won't accidentally free up time. No, sir. Uh, the most important thing we can do with our time, prayer is a top priority. If you do nothing else, pray. Incorporate pra- private prayer into your daily life and corporate prayer on a weekly and monthly basis. Spend time talking to God. Spend time praying in tongues, allowing the Holy Spirit to pray for you. And spend time listening for Him. Eliminate distractions and focus on getting quiet. That's part of being in, uh, going into your room. Shut the door, like Matthew says. Especially in this day and age, there's so many distractions. So many things that are demanding our attention, demanding our time. I know these, these little things here are one of them. Um, I, I try very much to, you know, I, I, when I get up in the morning to pray, I usually don't even, I don't even look at it. I try to, I, this is how I, my alarm is on my phone. I usually turn my alarm off and I just walk away. Because if you, it's just, it, that's just how I deal with it. Because there's so many distractions. And they can even start out as good things. I remember Richard was talking about, uh, he, he said one that hit home with me. He said, you know, what was that Bible verse? And he picked up his phone and started, you know, searching, trying to find it, right? Well, yeah. Next thing you know, you've over on Facebook or whatever. Just because you had it in your hand. It's just practical things, you know. Uh, to, uh, so I, I don't even touch it. To keep track of my time, I use my watch. My my uh, 
my watch that the kids trip out because it actually has hands. It doesn't have a digital watch. Every once in a while, I'll catch one looking at it, and they're like, how do you know what time it is? I'm, true story. They're like, how do you know what time it is? I'm like, well, I look at my watch. Well, how do you know? You know and we have these like back and forth discussions because I've, I've, I'm finding out they don't teach that really much anymore. They don't teach how to read the hands on a clock. And, whew, anyway. The, the joke says that if we switch to, what is it, if we switch to analog clocks, uh, cursive handwriting, and manual transmissions, we could tr- cripple a whole generation, you know. <laughs> but anyway, they're better at us than a lot of things, though. So. Um, so our heart should be motivated to know God, not merely fulfilling a religious obligation. Make sure that your prayer times are a time of refreshment, not a chore that must be completed. That's incredibly important. That's part of our motives. See, it, it's good to be disciplined. It's good to say, I'm going to get up this time every day and pray. But if you get up and your heart is not right, if you get up and your heart is like, oh, I can't believe i got to get up and pray, or whatever's going on in your heart, get it fixed. It's not the right motive. Discipline is good, but you should. we should have that desire to... the the, the There's that saying that Desire feeds discipline, and discipline feeds desire. It's a kind of a circular thing. The discipline should come from, I desire to have the Lord more in my life, right? So that's, it's the same way when we, when we do anything with time. No, I won't go there. Sorry, Lord. Not doing it, no. I don't even know if that's from the Lord. So we're having a conversation here. Your heart should be motivated to know God, not merely fulfilling a religious obligation. Make sure your prayer times are a time of refreshment, not a chore that must be completed. And this is uh, the, probably our last verse here. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And I'll throw another verse in there that, that says that when we draw close to Him, that He draws close to us. That's how the system works. If, if you feel like you are not close to God today, I can tell you it's because you have not drawn close to Him. He has already made the first move, right? The Bible says that we love Him because He first loved us. He's already made the first move when He sent His Son to die in our, in our place and, and on the cross and all this stuff. He has made the first move of love, of relationship. It is up to us to draw close to Him, to take the next step, to take the next step, to take the next step and next step and next step until we become closer and closer and closer and closer with Him. This never stops. Sneak pre- Can I give you a sneak preview? Uh, uh, spoiler alert, this never stops. You get closer and closer and closer and closer with Him until, until either He comes back or you run out of time. <laughs> and he, he, so it, it never stops. Always growing from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Amen. Uh, this is our assignment. I don't know. I, I'll admit I, haven't, I don't know if I've been doing my homework very good. But this is our homework is to, to uh, find some time. This is a really good recommendation. Uh, don't say, I'm going to pray eight hours a day this week. It's probably not going to work. I'll just be honest with you. Schedule at least 30 minutes, five days a week. That's a wonderful, wonderful place to start. I'm telling you, if you pray 30 minutes a day, five days a week, you pray more than most Christians in this country today. You pray more than a lot of pastors in this country today, the, the, the studies show. If you do 30 minutes a day, five days a week. 
um, with a goal of increasing to one hour. And then it has a, a little log here. This is this is really good if you're a log uh, planner type of person. I am not, <laughs> but but it's a good place to start. Amen. So um, I think that was about all I had to share. I hope that this this has been good, and that we have learned something today. Um, there's so much. There really is. There's so much to prayer. I would encourage you to 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 start to do to do some study yourself. Do some study on your own, and see and, and seek that out because there's there's so much more than we can cover in, in a you know in in one session. Really, there is about prayer and how and how vital it is. Amen.